0: 18 plus. TV party tonight! Yeah. Uh, TV party tonight! Oh, We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews.
1: Don't want to talk about anything else.
0: We don't want to know.
1: We're dedicated yes. to
0: our favorite shows. oh my tickets. Everybody loves his photo. Scary dog. Dancing at Blurgeville. ball. armor.
2: Good evening. You are listening to a Rattelage and Broadcasting premiere podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter and frankly, I'm mortified Mr. Mark Rattelage. And tonight we are continuing our stroll continuing our walk from the corner to the deuce. We are surveying the great works of David Simon. We finished up with Homicide, Life on the Street, seasons five, six, and seven, and now we make our way to The Corner, a prequel of sorts to The Wire. The Corner uh, was a 2000 HBO drama television miniseries based on the nonfiction book, The Corner, a year in the life of an inner city neighborhood, written in 1997 by David Simon and Ed Burns, who would go on to work on The Wire was adapted for television by David Simon and David Mills. It premiered on HBO uh, in the US on April 16, 2000 and concluded its six-part run May 21st of 2000. The series was released on DVD July 22nd of 2003. It won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Miniseries in 2000 as it should have. The corner, like, Chronicle, sorry. <clears throat> the Corner Chronicles the life of a family living in poverty amid the open-air drug markets of West Baltimore. The Corner is the junction of West Fayette Street and North Monroe Street on U.S. Route 1. And joining me on this journey, as he has for the last three episodes of Homicide, walking with me arm in arm, hand in hand, is my brother from another mother, Jesse Starcher. How do you do, sir?
1: That is me, Mark Rattlesh. My goodness. Well, I think we're about to hit one of the most depressing parts of this journey. (laughs) Oh, wow. You
2: would think at the end of of season five of The Wire, what happens with Dookie would be the most depressing thing you're ever going to see in the history of television. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's the single most saddest scene and it near, damn near broke my wife the first time mm-hmm. she saw it. Like, mm-hmm. has not trusted me to watch a television shows since. <laughs> the corner is worse in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, man. Yeah, this is... I had no
1: idea what we were getting into here mm-hmm. other than the description. Mm-hmm. And I'd never watched it when it came out. I uh, um, was able to was able to acquire this via the some nice people uploaded it to YouTube. So folks, yeah. if you want to, you can go out there and find it and watch I, it yourselves.
2: I had it on DVD back when those were a thing that I used to collect. Um, when I used to collect things, and right. um, and I uh, I had the box set, and I watched it back then, and it and I can't and I think I, I watched it because. I don't think I watched it contemporaneously. I think I found out about it when I was in grad school as a social worker,
1: mm-hmm. and um, yeah, this is a well, this <laughs> is
2: a piece for that. That's for sure. Right. I, I, I feel like I feel like in my work in substance abuse, a, a lot of my graduate work was working was writing papers and doing research about um, uh, le- drug legalization, um, harm reduction, harm reduction models of treatment. To where we make drugs available to people, but in controlled environments so that people aren't ODing left and right. You know, okay. end up like people on this show, that sort of thing. That's what harm, that's right. the model. That is the philosophy behind harm reduction. So a lot of my graduate work was in that. And I think that's how I came by the corner initially. And I also might have come by it because I was watching The Wire at the time. And people were like, oh, if you like The Wire, you should watch The Corner and then kill yourself. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: So, which is always a rousing
2: endorsement of a television show. I was like, huh? like "You mean after I watched The Wire and Oz, there's something even better?" <laughs> Man. So, um, so I, so yeah, I watched it way back when, and I used to own a copy of it. And as you said, I hadn't watched it in years. I just rewatched it in preparation for this show. And all six episodes are uploaded in their entirety on YouTube for free. So when you're done listening to this review and you're like, well, this sounds like a rousing good time. These guys really sold me on this show. I can't wait to watch. I'm going to watch Star Trek discovery and I'm going to watch Star Trek strange new worlds. And then I'm going to watch the corner. (laughs) Don't cap this off. Don't cap your night off with this one. I'll tell you that much. Don't don't watch this in a bad mood. Um, so I, when we decided we were going to go through all the, the great works of David Simon, um, and I told you you know like i had pipped you to the wire even well before that and you had started a watch of it and then you stopped because we were doing this uh and i told you about the corner what were your thoughts like when i, when I was like jesse this is going to be bad <laughs> like <sighs> this this is a rough show to watch and you were like <laughs>
1: i'll be fine <laughs> you'll be fine uh yeah well i mean i kind of assumed what we were going to be getting obviously the the spin on it was we were going to be spending time with a family who was going through the inner city, uh, drug havings, just like you read there, um, how these people are dealing with drugs, uh, involved in being, uh, being addicts dealing drugs. Uh, so was I expecting it to be as hard hitting and as real as it was? No,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's absolutely no way I was prepared for what I was getting in this uh, because, uh, I'm used to, I was used to The Wire. I was used to some of the um, humor. This is, and granted, The Wire's not full of humor, but there's some in there. Sure. This is, this to me feels devoid of that. I, I don't recall, maybe Maybe there are one or two situations where I was going to laugh at, uh, in the corner. But it, I mean, it,
2: it wasn't like <laughs> these were all fun. The kid to plays Sindor, the first couple of times, the first couple of times he like grabs a sandwich out of someone's hand. And oh, they'll yeah. and like no snatchback,
1: <laughs> yeah. That's kind yeah. of funny
2: when he does it at <clears throat> when they're beating him to death because he stole drugs, and he yells no snatchback. It isn't funny anymore, Jesse. No, it's not no, being funny. Nothing no. is funny in this show.
1: <laughs> no, no, so yeah, there was like, going into this, I was expecting it to be, I guess, a little less real than what we got, and. You know, that's kind of an assumption I should, probably should have never made because of the, uh, you know, the the subject matter that yeah. we're getting in here. Um, and it's treated well. I mean, it's treated with a lot of realism and a lot of heavy hitting uh, facts that a lot of people that, you know, I grew up in Appalachia. You know, we we may have I'm not in big city and uh, anywhere near a really big city. Um, I'm sure every as they say, I think every. Every city has a corner, but I can tell you that I've been lucky enough not to be uh, at least exposed to something as bad as this.
2: So we're going to you and me are just going to have like a loosey-goosey conversation here about this show. I want me two friends, two friends talking. Um, But I do want to I want to come back to what you said there about that line about every every city has a corner. Um, This show is ripe with poignant lines. I sent you one of them. I posted. It's funny. I <laughs> I was complaining to my wife about this. I posted two things on Facebook back to back. One was a snapshot I took of um, one of the one of the dope fiends who ends up playing. Uh, um, what's his face? Uh, the detective in The Wire, the elder one. Um, his name is escaping me. Clark, uh, the, the actor's name is I think is Clark Peters, and <clears throat> the, uh, Charles S. Dutton, who. Charles S. the framing device for this for the show is that it's done almost documentary style. And Charles S. Dutton is like filming a documentary about this family and about the drug scene in Baltimore. And so in the the episode, start off with a one on one with Charles S. Dutton, and then it kind of just goes into the action of the episode. And then it ends with another face to face interview. And in this one episode, um, he's interviewing Clark Peters about Gary, who is played by um, T. K. Carter. Who you? Mm-hmm. Who, who was in like everything? By the way, Punky Brewster. Yes, I think he was also in Sister Sister. I have to go back and look, but he's been in a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and the show talks about one of the things the show talks about, and, and it, there's a lot of this in the first episode because it deals mostly with Gary, and that is how Gary like was a smart kid who worked hard and pulled himself by you know it was the very it was the very nature of the conservative American story, born pop born in poverty picked himself by his own picked himself up by his own bootstraps and became a rousing success so then how did he become a dope fiend and that's the question that's asked and Clark Peters says you know Gary gave so much away and so little of it came back and you could tell that there was a deep hurt within him that and I'll I'll come back to this but you know when his, his wife you know, can't get away from drugs and everybody is into drugs around him and none of his accomplishments are appreciated or, you know, he he feels no love for all the great things that he's done and for all and for all that he's done for other people. And then he's like, well, what else is there but to do drugs? And through drugs, he loses everything, including his dignity and self-respect. Yeah. Um, and I put up that line about He gave so much away and so little came back because it personally resonated with me. That I've always felt like I I give more to the people in my life than I get back. Um, And I'm sad more often than not. And I said it to my wife recently, and she was like, I just want to punch you. I'm like, but for why? (laughs) Why, after I've admitted out loud that I feel somewhat unloved and unappreciated would you want to then punch me and she was like because what more do you what more proof in this world do you need that you are loved and appreciated than the outpouring of love and appreciation you get on almost a daily basis by all your friends who come and check on you and all your family who loves you like what the fuck is wrong with you what the fuck was wrong with gary the, yeah you know yeah. what is wrong with any one of us who you know struggles uphill with life so um, whether I have some cognitive dissonance about it, whether Gary had cognitive dissonance about it, those feelings are real, and that line was resonant. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's good that you... Obviously, I wonder if... I mean, it could be a part of the environment uh, as, mm-hmm. well, as well, as to why Gary turned, in, turned to drugs. Uh, right. Because that's the one thing that could make him maybe feel or at least forget. I don't know about feel. Mm -hmm. I think it's, um, I think a lot of what with Gary is that he takes it so that he can forget about the hurt that he feels. And I mean, that's powerful when you can put something into your body that makes you feel whole
2: again, or doesn't make you feel, you feel nothing.
1: Right. (laughs) You know, that's
2: the power of heroin. (laughs) Like if you ever talk to people who shoot, who shoot dope and I have, um, Mm -hmm. For years, that's that's what I do. That's, that's kind of what you do. <laughs> One, the thing they'll tell you about shooting heroin is you'll never be as high as you are the first time. Right. Ever. You will forever chase that first high. Uh-huh. You will forever, as, as Kurt Cobain did before he was murdered, um, <laughs> shoot gallons of heroin into yourself looking for that very first high, that feeling you get the first time you shoot dope. Mm-hmm. And you never get it. It never gets you there. And there's an actual, like, biological principle behind that. that you have, like, pain and uh, pleasure thresholds, biological thresholds in your body. And when you move the needle past the um, past the average point,
0: mm-hmm. so, like, if
2: it's, you know, so if you're always at a five, you know, five is what, you know, <clears throat> eating food, feeling love, sex, um, keeping warm you know, keeping temperate, these are all things that make your body feel good and it keeps you out of five so that you can go on living. You knock that needle past five into six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, right? By doing drugs, for example, um, that needle, then the, the new normal becomes like seven mm-hmm. and now you're, you know, and then, but then it drops to three and now you're constantly trying to get it back to seven again it just keeps going like that. And, you know, and then it drops even further and it goes, and you have to, you have to do more. If do more of the things that make you feel good, um, artificially to get it back up again. Yeah. This is what there's causes a, biological addiction.
1: There's a point in this series where a man, uh it, it basically takes drugs and is being hauled out by ambulance mm-hmm. because the stuff that he took was so super strong it laid him out and right. i don't think it killed him but he's getting taken away
2: right. is this what, this sure is what about blue, happens right you're about blue. I, uh if it's the yeah, one who look, gets no, is, 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 it's it's not if it's the one who, who eventually gets rehabilitated and at the end becomes a counselor that's blue Okay, I don't think, I don't know if it was Blue that gets laid out or not, because I, I, there's Kurt I know also. he does. I know, he do. I, I, know, I know, I know, Frat, I know, one dies, Kurt ends up in the hospital, and they shoot him up in the hospital, and right. Blue, and and Blue goes he... in the ambo, and then goes to rehab and ends up in a halfway
1: house. Okay, all right, so then it's Blue. Okay. Anyway, so he's laid out, he's on his way to the hospital, and what happens to the drug fiends? They all go looking for what laid him out. Right. They're like, oh, <laughs> that, <Yeah.
0: laughs>
2: that so, works real well. We yeah, should get some of that. Like, there's no right. no recognition at all of this is a terrible thing and we should stop doing it. Trying to get that needle to seven. Okay. So it so was a long that. way to, row to get to where I wanted to go to, which was, um, let me first say, the first episode just deals entirely with Gary. Like I said, it shows him doing well in school. It shows him meeting Fran, knocking Fran up, Having to come home from school to take care of Fran. I think in that first episode it also deals in a flashback where he has now made enough money working hard and playing the stock market and earning a great deal of wealth that he's able to buy a house in the suburbs and Fran is so utterly unappreciative and almost disdainful of it Mm -hmm. and he has he says I was telling Melissa about this because so many good lines in this you know he gave so much and got so little back there's a corner on every city there's a corner in every city and one of my other favorite lines in this that he says is... And, and, and it, it doesn't sound like much when I say it now, but if you watch it in scene, if you watch it with context... So Fran gets out of the car. This really nice, like, Lincoln Town car that he bought, I think it was, or like a Cadillac. Yeah. They have little he's DeAndre doing well for himself. Him. Yeah. He's got little DeAndre with him. And he's like, I bought this, I bought this castle for you, my princess. I bought this <laughs> right. castle. Look at this in. place. Right. And... She utterly is disgusted. She's just like, what people do out here? And he looks at her. Subtext is key. And I talk about this with movie craft. Performance is in, the key. The art of performance is in the subtlety. The look on TK Carter's face when she's like, what people do out here? Like, bitch, I want to punch you in your larynx. Okay. Straight up in your neck. And he doesn't know. And he he doesn't doesn't know. And he says, dripping with, like, restraint and hatred, oh, you want to know where the party at? Like, motherfucker, (laughs) I I have bought you a house. I have gotten you out of poverty. I've given you everything. I've only asked that you be a loyal wife and mother, and you can't even do that without being a dick. (laughs) You want to know where the party at? Right, right. (laughs) It's
1: like... Oh god, we just couldn't right there. I mean, it was mm-hmm. obvious that this relationship was going to be struggling for quite a while.
2: Um yeah. it, it, it was like perpetually in struggles.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it and that's not you know that's nowhere near rock bottom for these people. No. Um and yeah, it and that's says a lot about Fran's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, poor Gary has to put up with that uh they really were i mean he was really doing well for himself he was doing well for his family and Mm -hmm. it just goes off the rails um
2: when you are future go ahead when you're asking yourself what is it about drugs you love so much more than me that's tragic that is Mm -hmm. really sad um i'm gonna skip ahead because we need to talk about the other five episodes here but Um, Structurally, the first episode deals with Gary. It's Gary's blues. Then it's DeAndre's blues, and DeAndre is their son. Then it's Fran's blues. Then it's Dope Fiend blues. Then Corner Boy blues. And then the final episode is Everyman blues. Um, And just kind of finishing up with Gary, and then we'll move on to – we'll just go in order. We'll move on to DeAndre and then Fran. You know, I said uh, when he he finds no love from the people in his – culture in his neighborhood he finds no love from his family and all he sees around him is that everyone loves drugs and so he does drugs because that's that seems to be what everyone else is doing it's what everyone else seems to love and so he does it too and he's like well maybe if i and and who hasn't been there where where you think to yourself well maybe i'll just do what everyone else is doing and then they'll love me too at least then i'll feel a part of something right you know oh and then he and we have to talk about this he he becomes a dope fiend he starts running around with ronnie and ronnie right. utterly ronnie. manipulates him oh
1: that's yeah. that's my first note about ronnie is how manipulative she is yeah, he uses she uses drugs him. to you know her advantage to get right. him to do what she wants him to do
2: right she rips him off of drugs she she gives him like powder or some shit um when he when he's able to come up with his own caper and get his own drugs away from her she calls the cops on him and says he hit she her she calls the
1: cops right and he's, he goes to court on a charge of assaulting her which never happened
2: but my favorite gary moment i don't think it's in this episode i think it's a different episode but my favorite gary moment and then we'll move on to deandre is the day that he has like a day for himself like he he doesn't get high for the day he just he puts some money together and he goes into like downtown baltimore he buys vitamins (laughs) he, he buys vitamins he goes to the movies he sees schindler's list he walks the dock yeah. And then he goes back to the shooting gallery for, and for those of you who don't know the lingo, a shooting gallery is where you shoot dope. Um, you know, it's it's a dilapidated house that everyone goes to to shoot dope in. So he goes to the shooting gallery, and he starts talking about, and it's and it's poignant, but he had, he doesn't have the right audience. He starts talking about how the dehumanization of Jews that um, allowed the Holocaust to happen, and how he feels like. We don't we're not no one's doing this to us. We're killing ourselves, we're committing our own holocaust. And Reggie Cathy just says with hate in his heart and drugs in his veins, motherfucker, just shoot dope and shut the fuck up. Shut up and and do the dope. Shut up and shoot drugs. Right. (laughs) And
1: and and that's what. Really cements this as being so depressing that people could realize, or mm-hmm. somebody could tell you, you are you are killing yourself. Yeah, and you don't care,
2: right? You just
1: like, well, that's well, fine. I'm going to go ahead and do it. And you know,
2: it. one of the tags I used tonight was Black Lives Matter, and you know, and the whole like idea of black preservation in the face of institutional racism and historical domestic genocide. And that's what Gary's talking about.
0: Right. Gary's like
2: like <laughs> hey as black people maybe we shouldn't kill ourselves in mass. Mm-hmm. And they're like shut up and let us kill ourselves. Thanks. Right. Right. And I no. mean I, what like what is the line what what do you do with such reckless hate? Mm. <laughs> it's not in this show. It's from something else. I, I grabbed that from, but I love that line. What does what yeah. you know? Oh, it's from Lord of the Rings. What, what does one do It's um Stu Tower is uh, king. Uh, Ro- what's his face? The king of Rohan. You know, what does one do again? You know, when, when you know, when, all, when the orcs are like coming down on. Um, uh, Helm, Helm's Deep mm-hmm. and like and all is lost and, you know, it's it's the darkest before the dawn and they're all going to fucking die because <laughs> because they they've they run out of men and the orcs are closing in. And he's like, what do we do with such reckless hate? Mm-hmm. Like Rohan, Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah, dude.
1: Yeah. And we say that by saying, well, you know, how how can you kill yourself knowing you're killing yourself? But I, there's a lot of this.
2: The magic of drugs.
1: Yeah. (laughs) well, And and the thing is, with the corner, it's not like they leave that alone, because what you learn is, is that a lot of actually probably all of these people that are doing drugs do not want to be doing drugs as as much
2: as they realize it is killing them. They don't want to do this. Well, here's the thing. I don't know on what level you're 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 saying that because I think one of the things about the dope fiends in the show, as they are called, they very tacitly do want to do drugs. They want oh, to, yes. they want to be dead. Oh well, I could say that
1: they, for some people. Huh? For sure. I could well, see that with some people on there. Well, for sure. I think like,
2: this group, what they represent is 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 the zombies. You know, is the people that Mm -hmm. The pain and trauma and psychological dysfunction, the generational poverty, the generational institutional racism that has weighed down on these people and made them what they are has become so much to bear that short of directly killing themselves, they'd rather just go through life as numb as possible. They absolutely want to do drugs. And part of it is also biological addiction. That's why I started to talk to you about what I did before about once you start shooting dope, your life becomes about shooting dope. You know, it's about it's about hustling and doing what you can to make the twenty bucks to buy the bag of dope and mm-hmm. shooting it as soon as possible. And that's right. that's what the show talks about. Is like that just becomes your life. Ain't and nobody the- ain't nobody work harder than a dope fiend. Uh, yeah, that's
1: it's so funny because on each one of these episodes I put my takeaways and my quotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That one right there. Like you <laughs> <said>. <laughs> that's, that's a fucking that's plan. One of the good ones. <laughs> right
2: here, when words fail, music succeeds. Over here, ain't nobody working harder than a dope fiend.
1: <laughs> <All> right, dude. <laughs> Getting that tattooed right. right
2: on me. Um.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we'll put a pin in that because yeah. we'll talk about that again when we talk about Fran because I, yeah. I or at least I'll bring it up again. But yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying.
2: DeAndre is their teenage son. Um. So the family breaks up. Gary goes away, and he's running in the streets doing drugs. Fran. Uh, leaves their their nice home in the suburbs and goes back to ba- Baltimore, and um, lives in a shooting gallery. Her she's she's got like dozens the of brothers. Do you
1: drop, drop in?
2: Did you drop in? She's got dozens of brothers and sisters that live with her, and they all shoot dope and you know shoot dope and snort coke. <clears throat> and she's got DeAndre, who's her teenage son, who I think is like fifteen or sixteen. And then she has her younger son, who's I think still in elementary school and you know deandre is oscillating between trying to do the right thing and dealing drugs yeah. and so a lot of deandre stories about him and his <laughs> crenshaw street mo- crenshaw mafia boys just <laughs> you know viling up packages and selling drugs in the street and part of it is you know we we, we talk about the um the mythology of the the rich drug dealer Freakonomics even like put that to bed and it was like, no, most drug dealers are not rich. They are struggling themselves. And it's yeah. they're making just enough money to buy sandwiches and cigarettes. Yeah. And that's about it. Um like the, the you know, like everything like everything else in America, the money is made up top, not at the bottom. And so he's selling drugs to help pay for food in the home, to help keep a roof over to help keep the dew drop in going. And his mother keeps telling him, like, I don't want you to do drugs, to sell drugs. I want you to go to school. And DeAndre is this very interesting character in that when you think of entitled people, you think of more like, you know, like rich suburban kids. And this kid's a poor shit drug dealer. And he couldn't be more entitled and disillusioned with the life of the average teenager. Every <laughs> time he tries to do right. Like, there's three or four different times he tries to do right and go get a real job, and it's like the crab shack. The yeah. fumes are bothering him. He doesn't want to do it. He's told to sweep up. He gets a, he gets a tude. Um, The uh, Basketball the, game. Oh, I'll get I to think that. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was thinking that the next thing was, like, checkers. You know, like he goes to get a job at checkers, and he looks at everyone working there, and he's like, nah, nah, brah. I, yeah. I don't want to flip burgers. And then he eventually gets a job at Wendy's. And he can't get his schedule straight. And they're like, yeah, kind of have to be an adult here and like mind your schedule and show up when you're told, not when you feel like it. And he's like, fuck off. I yeah, don't do it. he ends up and, leaving. And I think a, a friend of his isn't that? Right. where his friend comes out and is like, dude, just
1: all it you got to do. Is... It was another
2: it was another it was another gangbanger who's like, I, I like, dude, play by the rules. It's going to be OK. And like, right. if I can do it. You can do it. I'm you.
1: Right. That's it was unreal. Uh, And yeah, he is an interesting character because, just like you said, he's struggling from doing work on the corner, slinging the drugs, trying to get right and actually become a legitimate, make money the legitimate, legitimate way. But what mm-hmm. he soon realizes is that you can't make that money as quick right. by trying to get yourself a regular,
2: hard work pays job. off. But hard work is exactly what the line says: hard, hard work, hard work,
1: right. Uh His relationship with his mother is kind of focused on in that episode mm-hmm. as well, where she's don't do the drugs. Stop slinging on the corners. Hey, you got any drugs? <laughs> you know, right. It's like she, <clears throat> she a, a, being a dope addict herself mm-hmm. cannot stop herself from interfering with her son's life and trying to steal from him at some point. Right. Um, The father ends up stealing from him. Uh, There's a lot of theft that happens, <laughs> believe yeah. it or not. Uh, but it's sad because you have family members and friends stealing from uh, family members and friends. It's That's one of the most depressing parts about this is that you cannot trust anybody.
2: There's a great scene in uh, season four, I think, of The Wire where the um, principal sends home a basket of supplies for Dookie. And they're told, give it directly to Dookie. If you give it to his family members, he'll never get it. It'll yeah. be gone. They will ravage it. It'll be sold for parts, you know. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it'll be sold yeah. for drug money or it'll be used up. He will he will never get this basket of, of, of goods. Mm-hmm. You know, because again, um, I think there's another line in the wire <clears throat> that talks <clears throat> where uh Bubbles goes to live with his sister and she won't let him in the house. Like there's a oh, yeah. there's an entrance into the basement um that he has to go through and there's and the and the door at the top of the stairs is locked. So all he can do is get in and out of the basement. He can't get into the house. It's just like the last time I let you in the house, you stole my television. Mm-hmm. The thing, the tacit recognition that the corner deals with is what drugs does to people, not in the physical sense, but in the spiritual and ethical sense, it turns you into monsters. Yes, it does. You will, you will hurt people around you. You will steal. You will physically abuse them, sexually abuse them. You will do things to yourself and others that you would never do. Uh, if you were sober right right it's
1: that's what Mm -hmm. again uh, it's another notch in the old depression belt it's (laughs) this is this is a really very
2: ugly show
1: yes it is and it's it's necessary and it's real yeah but it i mean yeah Uh you learn a lot of what drugs can do to
2: just a a neighborhood did you find DeAndre, like, likable? Like, did you empathize with him at all? Because I, I struggle with him, you know, I struggle with him because of the entitlement. I sympathize with him because of the situation he's in. He's, like, third or fourth generation, like, part of a drug family. Right. You know, what, do you, what, what, what does one do when you're that embedded? Yeah. Um, again, a lot of similarities to The Wire. Um, What's this nuts from season one talks about this when he's being interrogated at the end? Yeah. Uh, you know, like my father did it. My grandfather did it. We were born into this. This is our, like, this is our family legacy. So, you know. Yeah, you I know. mean,
1: I wanted DeAndre to succeed. I wanted him to, mm-hmm. you know, what you, What do you want out of this? You want a happy ending uh, for every single one of these people.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> now I want to get close. <laughs>
1: and I'm, when I say close, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't happen for everybody. But we're, we'll talk about some mm. of that nor- near the end. But uh, yeah, in this show. You want DeAndre to be like, okay, love to see this kid turn his life around. Right. Okay, he gets a job. Maybe he goes on the straight and narrow. But you that's not the person that he is. Is he likable? I mean, other than me wanting him to succeed, as far as his personality goes, I mean, no. There's, There's not really a whole lot there to like, at least as far as what we get on screen. Um, yeah, and I just like you. I sympathize with his struggle. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. He he's just an everyday kid out there doing what other kids are doing at that time, trying to make a buck, trying to support his family. I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to support my family at fifteen. Do you remember the what
2: he, he talked about being in ninth grade at sixteen years old? All right, what do you what do you say? They talked about like. Because at sixteen you're supposed to be like a, like a, either a tenth or eleventh grader, that's right. Yeah, and he's in ninth grade, and he was like, "But if I'm cool with it, I'm cool with it." They'll social promote me. And Charles Sutton's like, "What's a social promotion? When they promote you for being cool with it?" The implication being if he be, if he's quiet and behaves, whether or not he knows the work is irrelevant. If All he's right. quiet and behaves, they will just move him to the next grade to get him out of the school. Yeah. There's the season 4 of the Wire deals with this directly. This one right. deals with it indirectly about how it's not just the families I'm going to say something that's going to sound like like a platitude. It's going to sound very like like rote, but bear with me. Um families are the cornerstone of American culture with you know American society, really any society, but let's just focus on our country for a moment. You don't have if you don't have functional families, the whole lot of civilizations just gonna fall into the fucking river. It's gonna be Lord of the Flies out there. Yeah. Um and there's a debate to be had about why traditional families should be preserved, why non-traditional families should be avoided, why non-traditional families should be preserved, and traditional families should be avoided, depending on which side of the aisle you're talking to. But the reason that there's that debate is because without any kind of family structure, you just have people, feral people living in, you know, living in the streets, killing each other, mm. you know, taking from each other. And so um, I bring that up because what the corner points to somewhat indirectly is how not only are the family structures, ever the family structures in Baltimore have eroded. And you have like this like near feral society that's developed, mm. but how the schools can't function either. Like these are supposed to be places where you educate people so that they can become functional citizens and they become warehouses for bodies until those bodies up to walk the fuck out. And that's what he's talking about. You know, the corner says so much with so very little, you know, they being cool with it. That one line tells you everything you need to know about Baltimore school systems. Right, right.
1: Um, Have you had a chance to listen to any of the Wire at Twenty yet? Uh, the podcast, system, uh, Man- okay. This last episode uh, was about season four, and mm-hmm. they talk about a lot of what you're talking about there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Spe- uh, specifically, they were drawing off of a. Uh, I want to say it was. I think Prez's wife was actually a substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the guy who played Prez, his wife was a substitute who li- who worked in Baltimore, and she would come home and cry herself to sleep at night because of how dysfunctional that whole school system was and yeah. I, I can't even remember if it was david simon that was talking melissa's,
2: about melissa's whole career was in title one schools and I'm right yeah tell me that you know she, she works in a halfway decent school now but for the first couple years that we were married she worked in two different title one schools that were predominantly african american and she did a lot of crying there was a lot of a lot of heartache about you can't even get to first base in terms of appropriate education for these kids when everything at home is so disruptive right
1: all right yeah that's that's sad it really is mm-hmm. sad and, and just gotta you know, just be cool with it i guess
2: <laughs> <laughs> promote me if i'm cool with it um i want to before we move on to fran i just want to talk about his relationship with rika i like oh, rika. Yeah, yeah rika's a fun character so rika gets pregnant And there's a really great, like, game of telephone that happens where she's like, I need, like, $200 for an abortion. Yeah. I need need $200 for an abortion. That's, you know, it's like, they don't charge you for an abortion at Planned Parenthood. Right. But, you know, this this stupid motherfucker don't know that. No clue. (laughs) So, like, go ahead. I was gonna say and then it balloons yeah yeah and then the Fran, t- Fran calls Scroogey, <laughs> the, the clean brother like I you know I oh DeAndre goes to his mom he's like I need four hundred dollars for an abortion and then Fran goes to Scroogey. I need six hundred dollars so that Rika can get into fucking scumbags right um but Rika's Rika's a fun character uh so she's this little like 14 year old girl that he's banging yeah man man oh man yeah I, can you imagine like you had a 14 year old girl once upon a time I did. I did. I, I will about I will have a 14-year-old girl in a few years. She's eleven. I I, I, I can't Can you imagine like your kid being Rika? No. Just no. running and, in the streets and, for, and running the in thing. the streets with drug dealers.
1: Do you think that I was oblivious to that while watching the corner? No, I was not. <laughs> Every single moment that happens in here, Mm -hmm. I'm fearful for my own kid's future because there's a lot of things in here that make you go, oh my gosh, I never want to be in this situation. And you realize how easy it could be to be in that situation. Right. Enrica's situation. Yeah. You know, a 14 year old uh, pregnant at 14. And
2: here's the thing, like you live in rural-ish Ohio, suburban Ohio, but like rural-ish, like you're not living in like the big city. No. You know how easy it is to go out your front door right now and go get drugs? You really want right. that bad? I know. you live. Go. I, <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Call boy. the West Side, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I live in a suburb of Tampa, the city of Tampa. I live in Eastern Hillsborough County. For those of you that want to come rob me, um, <laughs> and <the> I, <laughs> yeah, I, okay. it's listed in my license, um, <laughs> my my social work license. Actually, it's not my my place of business is not that stupid. But it's not oh. hard to find me. Is my point? We'll say, wow. <laughs> Um, I know exactly where to go to get drugs right now. Yeah. And granted, I work in the correctional system, but still without having worked in the correctional system, I am well aware of where the drugs are. Yeah. It's yeah. that easy. It's that pervasive. That's what I'm right. saying. Like, you know, if you watch a show like the corner and you're like, Oof, I live in whatever the equivalent of near me, I live in Fishhawk Ranch. I live in the hoitiest of the toity neighborhoods, you know? tall walls and gated communities and swimming pools and movie stars have drugs right you know i live in hunter's green in north tampa the hoidiest of the jointy, the richest of the rich big four or five bedroom they, drugs drugs in that neighborhood houses oh, robbed in that drugs. neighborhood for drug Everywhere. money right you know it, and that's so like Again, you you watch you watch DeAndre story, you watch a show like The Corner, and it's like the way it's presented. Oh, well, it's that's just West Baltimore. No, it's not just West Baltimore. Is the point? Yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah, it's you. You sit there and think, well, if I do- dodged that bullet? No, it's <laughs> right. it's it just takes one one day, one friend. You
0: know, mm-hmm.
1: that that's the thing that scares me the most. Is like it, it didn't take Gary. It took a little bit of time to get to where he is, but it wasn't like he was protected from everything out there. It all right. happened to him. And he, you know, Gary is where he's at. Fran is where he's at. And just
2: how it started, that domino effect. Well, think about think about you and I as fathers and how over the 10-year span that we've been friends, how often you and I have confided to each other our frustrations, frustrations with career, frustrations with children, frustrations with spouses, right. frustrations with What feels like an uphill struggle to just live your life. You know, the un the unfair nature of just living your life. And how, as I said at the top of the podcast, sometimes you feel like you've done everything you you were supposed to do, everything society said you were supposed to do. You did everything right. And life is still not very fair. and how hard that is and how easy it would be to walk out your front door right now and get fucking high that's what the corner is about that's gary's story yeah and that's why the show like speaks to me because we could all be gary you know that's the reality of it it seems like an it seems like a very alien world you know the open-air drug markets of west baltimore sounds like fucking the most lisa's cantina right dude <laughs> like that's so far away from where i live here in Fishhawk ranch and hunters green or whatever the richy rich neighborhoods of cleveland ohio where you live um <clears throat> marietta sorry
1: marietta yeah you got it
2: <laughs>
1: okay. um we were about two and a half hours north I'm sorry we'll well, we're, going, close enough. we're going to cleveland
2: next week that's why i said yes it. um yes. trying to figure out whatever big city you were near um I guess what Cincinnati is their closest city? Columbus is probably the closest. Columbus, Columbus, okay. Yeah. Um you know the open air like drug markets of Columbus, Ohio, but like it's really just just outside your doorstep if you look far enough, if you look close enough. Right, man. And and how we have to like not to say that you know you and I are sitting here every day just like I fucking just, just Mindy fucking puts mustard on my bologna sandwich one more fucking time. <laughs> and I'm shooting dope. You know it's like not that, but I hate I hate mustard. <laughs> <laughs> Good takeaway. Um, you know, but it but there is I think for all of us, especially us men, you know, that struggle to do what we need to do to keep our families together and feeling like you get nothing for it in, in return. Um, yeah. you're just like, it's just so easy to say fuck it. So that's something we used to talk about um, in grad school, you know, and talk about in terms of therapy, you get this, this, the case of the fuck it's mm. I have done everything I can to do. Be the best person I can. and It's not enough. Fuck it. Run out the door and do the thing that makes you feel good for at least a moment. Right. Right. Um, This is a fun conversation. (laughs) Well, (laughs) the corner is definitely not a fun
1: show. Hey, let's uh, talk
2: about Fran. She's a fun time gal.
1: Yeah, old Fran. Wow. Francine, Boyd. um, Yeah, just like you said, wife to Gary, uh, mother to DeAndre. Uh, This is a character who's, as we said earlier, she wants the best for her son. She wants yeah. her. She doesn't want to see her boy out there slinging dope, but she's also a drug addict. Who isn't she like a study in dichotomy? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like this is a mother though. This is this is a mother. This is a mother who wants the best for her children. Every every mother wants that, but she oh. cannot escape yeah. the demon that's on her back. And the thing is, is that the greatest part about this show is her journey mm-hmm. into rehab
2: and right. getting out you talked before about like you know for god's sakes is this dark deep dark black hole of a show have a fucking happy ending well fran in blue fran gets clean and stays clean. No, fran gets clean fucks up and then gets clean again um and so fran's story is a happy one in the end yeah and the as end as it's blue it, you know after his ride in the ammo
1: right well uh, but the thing is is that you have to experience With both of those characters, as they are better, watch all of their friends Mm -hmm. go through and and watch them lose their friends. Yeah. Uh, Oh, my God.
2: Clark Peters. All my friends are dead. Oh, (laughs) God. (laughs) Dude. That's so bad. Yeah. And I hate to make a joke. First of all, if I don't start laughing, I'm going to burst into tears again. (laughs) Um, And I really don't want to cry on a podcast again. (laughs) So. But yeah, that that line when when um, after I think they cart blew out and and he's just like, it's not even like a sad delivery. Clark Peters just sort of matter-of-factly fucking yeah. says like, "All my friends are dead."
1: That's that is the that is a man who probably grieved the first friend he lost mm-hmm. and then started watching more and more and more die from overdoses or whatever mm-hmm. and just. Just like you said, he's come to he's come to grips with it. He mm-hmm. has an understanding, and possibly is awaiting death. He yeah. knows it's
2: going to happen. I, is, um, is not one of the saddest scenes in there when he falls out and ends up being hospitalized, and Rita and Reggie Kathy's character sneak in to shoot heroin into his right in, into his drip. You're, <laughs> uh, gosh. There's a I great, mean, there's a great, we, we started talking about Fran, but I we're we're running close to an hour here, and I and I have to bring this one scene up. Blue gets clean. He goes, to, he falls out. He gets clean. He comes back, and he walks into the shooting gallery, and it's he's not Gary. Gary is a punk. Gary they make fun of. You know, just shoot dope and shut the fuck up. Right. Um, Blue they respect, and Blue apparently in that little scene. Where he's like, I started all of this, and I feel like I have to end it. We're kill, you know. Gary's not wrong. We're killing it. We're killing ourselves.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And,
2: and they just ignore him utterly. And they're just like, Missed you, Blue. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Walk away. Like, like Clark Peters just walks the fuck back up the stairs again. He
1: has no as much as he wants his, he's trying to get these people to realize what's going on as well. And he's mm-hmm. trying to get them to turn to rehab or do something to get out of this lifestyle that they're living. And he has no sway over him. And I think right. again, I'm happy for blue. I hate seeing him have to watch
2: this happen to his right. friends and to come the, to the
1: understanding, the realization that he can't do anything about it right.
2: to the, to, to, to the credit of the writing and to the credit of that, to the credit of the performance of that scene, they don't lean too heavily into his need to fix the right. the giant wrong he created by presumably getting all of these people on drugs. Right. It's like he kind of gives it his level best, but if you don't want, we talk about this in treatment all the time. You cannot force people to get clean. You can clean them up. You I mean you can strap them to the bed and you know let them go through detox give them some orange juice and some, you know, Tylenol and they'll get clean, Yeah, <clears throat> but actually they'll get detoxed. But if you don't want to be clean, as soon as you're off that bed, as soon as you're out of rehab, you're back in the shit again. Yeah. And, and there's that tacit acknowledgement of that in that scene where blue's like, I blue basically confesses guilt. I started all this. I feel like I have to finish it. And they all utterly ignore him. They're like, nope, we're goners. Leave us alone to die. Oh, and, man. Blue, and Blue's I think like, I, okay, I, I tried. I, I, it's either in that
1: scene or maybe it's sometime later, but we get a good look at Rita's arms. Oh, and
2: they're all like oh, Mercered out. She's like right. Mercer by that point.
1: Gosh! And she's like, I- "I'll go to the hospital." Oh, you yeah. need to go to the hospital. Oh, I will.
0: Yeah,
2: she's crying. Yeah, Your I'll, arms are I'll gonna get, fall off. I'll, I'll, I'll get there eventually. Yeah, she, <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it does. It does speak to the nature of drug use, though, doesn't it? That oh, yeah. you're you're so married to the needle, as Bubble says in the wire, that you won't even go to the hospital to get yourself well enough again to go back and shoot dope right <clears throat> that's what they're saying in that scene she won't stop shooting dope long enough to get well enough to go back to shooting dope yeah <laughs> you know it's just Sad. like it's not worth it it's not I, I don't i don't have the time i i, I might not get high <laughs> at the hospital and i'm not missing a day like that's right. the power of heroin right um so back to fran. back to
1: back to fran you mentioned dichotomy mm-hmm. um and you were talking just a few seconds ago about uh, about wanting to get clean. Uh, and I've heard of this happening. And they, I think, do a great job of depicting it here in the corner where she's trying to get a bed to mm-hmm. get into rehab. Yeah, And she's like, all right, I've got my bed. Uh, we're going tomorrow. And she just straight up parties that whole night before yep. going to rehab. And I think it's the next day she goes and she learns at the rehab center that her bed's not going to be ready for like another like week or month or something like that. So she just uh, completely drained of all like any motivation to try and get clean. She goes back to the dew drop in and just resigns herself to hopefully get that bed. But the good thing is, is that she does. I was worried like she would get it. And she would be so far gone, she would miss it. That doesn't happen. She's a- able to actually get back into rehab when she's scheduled to. So the actress um, is
2: Candy Alexander, who you might remember from News Radio. Um, hell of an actress. She's really yeah. outstanding. Um, yeah, she is. Because I remember her. I remember her from News Radio, and she played such a such a well, uh, well done, ca- moneyed, uh, professional character. And here, there is a without being silly and without coming across as what some might would perceive as like racist or prejudice, but there is a cadence to how culture and races talk, um, behave mannerisms, you know, a uh, urban black person speaks away, moves away. And as do white, as do like Southern white people, they have a way about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it can be off putting to, to some people, some of it is attractive to other people, you know, that very same thing. What I'm trying to get at is can't what Candy Alexander does in Fr- with Fran is she captures almost like the worst elements of those intrinsic behavioral and um, speaking ways of the urban black woman. Mm-hmm. like the hands on the hips the kind of like wiggle in the hips that she does when she talks so she says things like and this is total like dope fiend addict behavior she's like i'm not about to g- i gotta do it with the hips i'm <laughs> not about to give up sex and chocolate and dope all at once mm-hmm like if this this were family guy that would be like a joke you know right but like that's her and that is how people talk and that is that mindset like you're here to get clean to give up vice to live to find virtue and live it because everything you've done up to this up to this point in your unrestrained godless lifestyle has fucked you up and your children right (laughs) and you're trying to climb out of the pit and it's like I'll give up the drugs. Let's cool it with everything else. And it's like, <laughs> boy, are you missing the point? Right. And to, to, to like, what are you talking about, Rattle? It's a like scene where they show up to her rehab and like fucking throw chocolate over the fence. Yeah. You know? Yep. I'm, not up, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not about to give up Mr. Goodbar. That's the one I missed. I'm not about to give up Mr. bar. Oh, man. <laughs> Again. Ugh! Laura Linney. Fran. Fran. <laughs> 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 fucking cold pocket, right. bitch fucking soup bowls man just uh, one time inside <laughs> the head I'm not I'm not saying you should hit women but Jesus
0: Christ yeah yeah he's a the,
1: character really really mm-hmm. is Um, she gets better yeah she heads back to the do drop in to where I'm like oh, man you, you need to get out of that environment mm-hmm. which I think she soon realizes that's the case yeah Uh but what I really things. hated, I hated seeing for her was when she went back
2: there. Like her friends, oh, began her to resent her sister. Yeah, who, the one sister who plays, um, who plays what's his Nuts's wife in The Wire. Um, oh, Lance uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Is her
1: name Sherry in this or something like that, or maybe, maybe. I'm thinking of somebody else? Um, but
2: hang on, I'll I'll find her. Keep talking. Best of luck. Uh, I, real, <laughs> real. I'm thinking. No, her name is no. Yeah, her name is Maria Broom, and she plays Lance Reddick's wife in The Wire. Who Lance Reddick is also okay. in this. He plays a boyfriend. Yeah, he plays. uh He plays Fran's boyfriend
1: in this. Yeah. Yes. So, anyway, yeah, she starts to resent the fact that Fran has gone on the straight and narrow, and mm-hmm. y- again, you start to lose friends. Who these people want the best for their friends, but then again, they they don't want to lose their friends.
2: And I was going to say, start do to they see, know? Like there, there is an element of this of as long as we're all shooting dope, it's all good. But if you try to better yourself, I'll tear you down. Uh,
1: like, well, look at the uh,
2: shit they give Scoogie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scoogie, yeah. who has a nice car and a house and everything, but you know, screw But they fuck with Scoogie because Scoogie got out. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's that element of what do you think you're better than us? Yeah, you know. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. I mean, they have this like. Uh, just like you said are you you think you're better than us and they start to resent that person mm-hmm. who got but these people i i have no if, if to me it feels like if i if you were able to offer these people the opportunity and i granted it'd be a magic touch you'd, you'd never be able to tell that they were drug dealers you touch them and they're you're cured of everything they would take you up on that yeah but the thing is is that that's that's
2: you know, that's not going to happen. So you know why I don't do therapy anymore? Why I just do assessments in correctional institutions. That's kind of been my career. Tell I don't me. do th- I don't do therapy because nobody wants to do the work. They want the pills. Oh, yeah. They don't they that want the pills, but they don't me. want to do the processing. Right. They're trading one drug for one vice for another. Creating one drug right. for another. So people come in and they go, I have anxiety and depression. Give me Xanax. Xanax will make me feel better. And it will. Try it sometime. Punch. It's like smash it and snort it. No. Um, <laughs> we are not advocating doing that. No, no. This that's podcast. A, that, is a, that is a joke, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You should absolutely <laughs> not snort that. Um, do not do it. <laughs> but um, I really got sick of like being invested in trying to help people better themselves. But the key word is better yourself and being met with resistance and everyone wanting the, 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 you know, I always, I, I, make, I always use the metaphor of the television show gung ho or the movie gung ho where they have, you know, they have a quota uh, that they have to meet to meet the, and they have to meet the Japanese quota and everyone freaks out about it. So Michael Keaton lies and says, Oh, well there's a medium quota. That's more doable. There isn't, but everyone, but that's what they want. They want the medium right. quota. They don't want to do the processing. They don't want to do the self work. They don't want to, make the hard changes, you know, reframe their thinking, change the natural knee jerk behaviors that make you a less than thrilling person. They just want the drugs to kill their feelings. They just want to feel better. Everyone just wants to feel better. And this is why I don't do therapy anymore, because I got real fucking tired of that real fast. Yeah. Yeah. So it became a lot easier to take, to take. Yeah, it just becomes easier to take a measure of a man, fill out a piece of paper and move him down the line. Because, like, if I'm not gonna, if you're not going to do the work, why should I? Mm-hmm. And that's the corner, you know, um, you, uh, you know, Fran does does the work, but it takes some doing. And she falls a lot, you know, she falls into old behaviors. She, you know, she takes in a boyfriend, the boyfriend robs her blind. You know, he's out like in this, you know, Lance Reddick's out there in the street. Baby, baby, come back. You can blame it all on me. I was wrong and I just can't live without you. And she fucking leaves the door open and he walks in and robs her blind. Right. Ma, he even stole the cereal. (laughs) Yeah, they walked down. Everything is gone. (laughs) Everything. What are you going to do with cereal? What do you think you're going to get for it? Oh, it's horrible. What a world we live in when you try to sell cereal for drug money. So not surprising. We have just about hit the hour mark here. um, And we've talked about the three main characters and we've alluded to some other stuff that happens in the show. Um, it ends with, uh, Gary dies of a heart attack and there's a, um, a narration said by DeAndre that talks about how Gary never felt loved. Um, can I tell you every time I've watched the show several times and I've watched that ending several times and fucking every time I cry, every, Damn. <clears throat> every it's time, <clears throat> every time, time they talk about Gary dying, it breaks my heart. To feel unloved your whole life, to, to struggle, to do all the right things, get nothing back in and, it and, and die feeling like you mattered to no one.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, it, it's rough. And then, you know, it doesn't stop there. No. Nope. <laughs> I mean. I mean. So DeAndre uh, ends up becoming a drug user himself. Mm hmm ends up shooting that whole crew. I, I, gets, I,
2: I, that his whole crew gets fucked up like right it, it, like it, it, I, they're just dealing but it, like one by one they go down boo goes down first then the guy that plays cindor goes down they all start fucking up and they all start using
1: doesn't like deandre just like get bored one day and decide to try it and then you're just it just starts from there well again
2: it's it's what i was saying before of, like you know what what is the bill cosby line about cocaine where he's like i asked somebody one day what is it about cocaine that makes it so wonderful and the guy goes well it intensifies your personality yes but what if you're an asshole <laughs> <laughs> right. but I mean you have drug you have drug use in your family right it's like somebody know, in somebody your family is. yeah somebody in your family does yeah. drugs and I know some people in my family that have, that have used drugs um, you yeah, know struggle with drug addiction and you give all this love and you, and you think you're giving love I don't, want, I don't want to speak for people but you think you think you're giving love you think you're, you're you're providing a nice family life for people and people are in pain and they do drugs and people don't communicate the way we're communicating tonight we're having a long- form discussion about some pretty heavy stuff. People don't have fucking time for this. i probably be the least listened to show we've ever done. There's like nobody can't nobody we talk about to. Thor can't we talk about Thor Love and Thunder again? Um, this is not this
1: is not Tom and Jerry. No, not gonna be. This is not
2: gonna be. This is <laughs> not, not, <laughs> not five-figure death punch or a hell of a boss. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is not Jesse takes a BDSM quiz. Um, know. <laughs> you know, I people don't people don't want to do this. This is very icky, you know. Um, but uh, to, to link the DeAndre thing to the Gary thing to what I'm trying to get across is when you know people who you think have everything they could possibly need to live a decent life. And they do drugs anyway. You ask the question that Gary asked and that DeAndre asks. And that is, what is it about this little vial of white dust that ruins people, that calls to them like the Ring of Doom? What is it about this vial that is so magnetic and so powerful that people are willing to sell out their families and their soul? People are willing to do unspeakable acts of evil to get it. To use it to put it inside them there's an idle curiosity there you know oh, have yeah. you ever, i mean not not to be too deep into it but have like have you ever just thought and wondered like jesus what does this feel like
1: right how, how right. good could
2: this possibly be
1: right dude yeah i mean you there's always that curiosity as to like right. okay what am i missing out on here
2: <laughs> i'm yeah. missing out on
1: I, miss, I, I must be missing out on I, something I, I, here i've Everybody been i loves room, it
2: i've been in the room where people do cocaine like literally like it was I could hear them sniffing it in the kitchen next to me and I chose to not be in there cuz I did not want to do cocaine in okay. my 20s and um but there was definitely like like a fomo happening right you know as You're my friends are it? all like doing blow in a kitchen in a condo in queens I'm like why are they all in the kitchen shoving powder up their nose and I'm out here on the couch fucking alone Right, right. Why, why are they having all the fun and I'm sitting here like a loser, you know?
1: And, and I imagine your reticence or your, your reluctance to go in there is because you knew what it could do to you. Sure. And,
2: and I, I'm, I'm sure
1: at some point you probably were like, you know, I don't want to end up like a drug, a drug addict.
2: Yeah, know? I don't know. You know, when, I, um, I, when I, I went, my first semester of college, I went to the University of Pittsburgh and I worked with a line cook and the line cooks said, I go home and smoke crack. And I'm like, well, you're fat and white and you're a line cook. How do you pull that off? <laughs> <laughs> tell me tell me your secrets, magician. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he was like, because crack's not as addictive as everyone thinks it is. It's It's got a real ugly reputation. But everything in moderation. I go home. I smoke crack. I go to bed. Some okay. people they they crawl inside that vial and they never get out and some people can smoke a little vial of crack like you do right dude get up put your pants on go to work
1: you see i mean you see wait the corner is representative of exactly the opposite of i can smoke crack and i'll be just fine <laughs> that is, <laughs>
2: yeah, it's that's not, not happening in the that corner that is not a, that's not the tagline on the dvd no, cover it's not. smoke crack Go to work.
1: <laughs> All right. Nobody's doing that in the corner. I right. mean, the work, maybe if you want to say slinging or
2: stealing. Right. Ripping but... copper fucking piping out of, out of houses. So that you right, can, dude. Smelt it down to buy $20 worth of heroin. Uh, unbelievable. So I'm going to throw it to well, you. What do, you, what do you got to say before we go? I know there was stuff you wanted to talk about before we got out of here tonight.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've got ai I mean, I think we've covered the characters really well here. You mm-hmm. know, like I said, we we learned that DeAndre, um, he ends up getting, but, but at the end of this, what's great is that Charles S. Dutton, is that his name? Yeah. Brings the family together. The actual mm-hmm. family that this is based on
2: right. brings. Uh... Did you recognize DeAndre? DeAndre's yeah. uh, Brother Mozone's handler.
1: Oh, okay. All right. No, yeah, he brings
2: I, the wrong, He brings him his harpers and then the wrong paper.
0: Oh, He's like, I, nice. he's, like
2: he's like, Did you bring me my harpers? It's like, I got <laughs> you. That's DeAndre. <laughs> That's great. Well, so
1: anyway, Charles sits down and well sits down, goes to the mm-hmm. corner and has a discussion with uh Fran and also DeAndre, and they talk about and Gary's Blue, passing at that. Yeah. They all stand around and the there's mm-hmm. probably a like what? I think they spend 10-15 minutes with them talking about. Yeah, what what has happened to them since then? Yeah. Um,
2: so I like how they called it a movie, by the way. They're like, Oh, when the movie comes out,
1: oh yeah, right, right. So it's many, a long ass movie. That's, yeah, um
2: a fucking Disney Plus so, series.
1: Yeah, put it on there. <laughs> oh boy, is <Ms>. go fiend. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, let's go ahead and I will talk to you about the article that I had just found prior to going on to this, uh, podcast tonight. Uh, this is from the Baltimore sun, uh, May 10th of 2022. So Denise Francine Boyd, I'm going to read directly from the article here. Um, Denise Francine Boyd, Andrews, whose desperate, determined, despairing, and ultimately triumphant battle with drug addiction was chronicled in the Emmy Award winning HBO miniseries, The Corner, died Tuesday in her Parkville home after a brief, brief illness. She was 65. So uh, Fran passed away a couple months ago. Mm. Um, the cause of her death was unknown. Says that uh, her first husband died from a drug overdose. That's Gary. Her 2007 wedding to her second husband, Donnie Andrews, who inspired the character of Omar Little on the HBO series The Wire, uh, was chronicled on the front page of the New York Times. And, uh, you know, as far as so Fran went on to I I watched a little bit of a short here as well. It it was recorded in 2011, I think, where she went on to uh, go on with Donnie and like create some great organizations to try and help people um, basically get out of the situation that they're in and Fran, you know, she did well for herself. She was helping others get get away from addiction. So she became, stayed clean from what I could see. Uh, her second husband, Donnie died of a aortic dissection in 2012. So, uh, also, her son, DeAndre, died of a drug overdose in 2012. Mm-hmm. So tragedy, as they say, did not stop following uh, these, uh, these people from the corner. Uh, it, it sucks to see DeAndre actually you know, relapse and has actually died in real life. That's, that's really sad. It's not
2: easy once the street gets its hooks in you. Right. Especially dude. when you factor in generational trauma institutional racism and all the things that go into being an impoverished person of any race, not just the black race, but any race in this country, what that does to you mentally behaviorally, these people try, um, there are resources, there are, you know, there are places to go. There are people willing to help you, but it's not easy and people fail a lot, right? You know, people get clean funny um like the way our uh, medical record system works at my job you know we can see every time you're arrested because every time you're arrested we have to do a new chart for you and it just accumulates one after another well, and
1: that's probably like the first thing you look at is like how many times has this guy been in here yep. how many how many files are there before
2: right. i sit down and talk and do an evaluation a mandatory evaluation for anyone with identified mental health issues that is arrested The first thing I do is a chart review. And you'll see people, like, they haven't been arrested since 2014. This is the first time, you know? And they'll say, like, yeah, I was doing good for a while. You know? I was doing good. I was working. I was this. I was that. And who knew? I had a warrant for child support. Which is another thing, just as an aside. Everyone is like, you know.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo
0: and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker
2: than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Not, not to be the tree hugging liberal on this network, but, um, <laughs> tree-hugging liberal snowflake communists. (laughs) But uh, we talk about, uh, you know, crime and punishment, and we have to be hard on criminals. You know, people get arrested for, like, trespasses and warrants for, like, child support. Like, not everybody that gets arrested is, like, a hardened fucking criminal. Right. And, you know, John Oliver, not that long ago, did a whole thing on, like, probation, what a racket that is. So you take probation because who the hell wants to go to jail who wants to do right. actual time but you have to pay for probation and you have you know and if you don't and if you miss a payment if you miss if you don't pay your fees you have violated probation and you will do the time anyway things like that you know you, you know you are sentenced to anger management classes oh well, that sounds easy enough that shit costs money you know you think about the kinds of things that a working working middle class person takes for granted. We have health insurance. Many of us not great health insurance. That's a podcast for a different day, but but we have health insurance. And so when things happen, we can go to a doctor. You know, I got the unnamed virus of unknown origin. Okay. Here's some decongestions and some other stuff we can do for you to, you know, to get your fever down. What if you don't have health insurance? What do you do? You know, Mm -hmm. something happens, you have a a fucking fever for two weeks, 100 degree fever for two weeks before your brain cooks. Maybe you should go to the ER. Oh, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. Yeah, well, you're right. Um, right. Going back to the your management thing, it costs money. And if you have insurance or, you know, if you have like credit or you have a way to pay for it, that's one thing and you can get it dealt with or you can pay for a lawyer and deal with it in some way. A lot of people get sentenced to that sort of stuff and they don't have the money to pay for it. And then they violate and they're back in jail anyway. It's not. It's not as black and white as people make it out to be. And so to go around this back to Fran and company and DeAndre, they might genuinely be trying. They might genuinely look around and go, maybe I don't want to be a drug addict monster. Maybe I want to be a good person and I want to take care of my family and not be in jail all the time. And then they take that first step and there's no support. There's nothing there. They fall flat on their face. And then everyone crowds around them and goes, fucking dope. fiend! Yeah. See? Fucking loser. Can't get it. Can't get his shit together.
1: Right. Right. You look it's, at. It's a little upsetting. What you see at first, if I was just to walk on to this corner, the first mm-hmm. thing that I'm going to see is the drugs And if I see a dope fiend, the first thing I want to see about that person is the fact that they are addicted to drugs. I'm not looking at anything that would be at least trying to figure out why they are the way they are. I'm just looking at that very first thing that I see. And I think that's, that's what the corner does. It makes you understand that there's, on the surface, you see the one thing, but there's so much that's led up to what they've done.
0: Yeah. Um, I want
2: um, to. Th- I want to say this before we before we end before before anything else is said. I just want I want to put this out there. Um, I made a joke before that this is probably not going to be like a very highly listened to episode of any one of my podcasts. You know, like the people who subscribe will will hear it because they listen to everything, and that's a I don't want to give away the number. I don't want to give away the store. You know, tell you how the magic is made. But it'll be whatever the the average number is, and that's probably going to be it, if not nothing else. And our YouTube will probably be really, really low too because this is not a popular thing that people are going to be gravitate towards. I don't care. This is important to me. I've gotten really emotional on this show a couple times now. I have something I need to say. <clears throat> I wanted to take the time to say it. I don't really care if anyone listens.
1: Anyway, what were you saying? It's powerful, man. I mean, the show is powerful. The message that's coming out of it is powerful. The emotions that you and I both feel because we've watched it are very powerful. That's what makes us six, six episodes. I think they're like a little bit less than an hour, maybe, maybe a little bit more. But some of the most powerful television that's out there. Uh, one of the most powerful series that we have. I mean, we looked at Homicide, and it was just full of procedural
2: drama. Stop know? shooting up the fucking <laughs> squad room. Stop damn shooting it. the squad room, god damn it! <laughs> and but even that you... one, like, I I don't think I broke down quite like. No, well, no, I did with this cancer stuff. Yeah, but <laughs> you. Know? But like, I don't think I broke down this much during our discussions of Homicide. No,
1: no, I, I, this is.
2: But I, like, I, I'm really that's how I'm much the really, show affects me, you
1: know. Right. I really wonder if there's going to be anything else that we're going to encounter that causes, uh you know, our reaction to be this, you know, this visceral to this t- to to uh, a David Simon production. Oh my God! We'll wait till we get out. to the wait till we get to the
2: deuce and you hear emotional again about porn. Oh yeah. oh, um. oh boy.
1: <laughs> If you start crying then, I'm going wanna, I'm wanna to start wondering what my in the world is can't going on.
2: we have feminist porn is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Uh, but I, you know, my, final, my
0: final words, <laughs> yeah. my
1: final words for the show itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it When I came away after the final episode, there were two things that I really understood. Number one, I understood how thankful I am for where I am right now and the fact that i'm not an addict it really
2: does make you like grateful that right. you have a functional household
1: yes you you have a, su- a support system in place mm-hmm. you're not addicted to drugs i am ex- i was so thankful for that but the other thing that i left with was how quickly that could turn how events in your life could just flip that
2: A nudge so easily a nudge in any direction and you and I conceivably could be out there
1: absolutely Uh, I did not I did not look at this and go I'd never be like that right you're an idiot if you look at this show Mm -hmm. and think to yourself I will I will I would never do that I would never be like that no you are fortunate enough to have uh, circumstances in your life right now (laughs) that you're not an addict and it's the, that's all you can be
2: thankful. But I think that but I think that's why the Gary character speaks to me the way that he does. Because we could all right. be Gary. Oh, Gary, yeah. <clears throat> Gary wasn't a bad person. Gary wasn't a derelict personality. Gary no. came from a good home. I mean right. he was poor, but you know, just because you're poor doesn't mean you're immoral. Right. And Gary right. did all the right things. Gary's story is about Sadness that overwhelming sense of sadness that you are utterly disconnected from the world around you. Try as you might to get past the walls real or imagined that are in front of you. That's why Gary. That's why his story more so than Franz or Deandre's or any of the dope fiends touches me the way that it does. Because like, Gary is like the looking glass. You you look in you see like that is that is the mirror mirror universe Mm -hmm. that all of us, especially all of us men could go down, you know, right, right. That is the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one the fundamental change in structure of your family to the point where it becomes unbearable and you're and you just want the hurting to stop you know i've known or i've known people who have had in their lives people who have struggled with drug addiction and have died Mm -hmm. and it's very easy to take the hundred yard look away from them and say Well, don't do drugs. This is my issue with like the gun violence thing in this country. I brought this up in the chat and I don't want to go on too much of a tangent here, but it's always, I don't get into the like mass shooting arguments with people anymore because it becomes a Trojan horse to discuss um, gun control. Oh yeah. What's never discussed is what sadness... What anger what dysfunction what disconnection that person went through to arrive at the place of well, everyone's going to die now. And that is the conversation that needs to be had about drug use. Not whether or not it should be legal or illegal. That's I mean, that's a discussion that has to be had at a policy level. But to round this back to where I started with Gary and just this whole this last little five minutes that we've been talking is can we just have a frank discussion about why we're all so sad why we're all so angry <clears throat> why our grasp on the here and now is so fucking tenuous that shake us shake some of us more some more so than others not saying everybody and i'm not saying how hard you have to shake us but shake us And we start shooting dope or we start shooting kids why why are we like this why is it that bad right these are the things that the corner makes me think about and i'm sorry to the people who is like why don't you talk about stranger things (laughs) 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 sorry (laughs) i this is important Uh, (laughs) i am really really tired of Let's put the important things to the side and let's just focus on things that make us happy. Yeah. I mean, there's time for that. I do it. Yeah, I watched Miss Marvel too. I'll talk about that later in the week. I watched the stupid shit. But I feel like why are we making more time for the stupid shit and less time for the corner when we're all living to one degree or another with the corner? I watch the corner and I go, this, this could be anybody. Mm-hmm. And everyone around me goes, sure, but I don't want to think about that. Right, right. It's, and it's, it's
1: almost like you can relate that to what's happening in the corner. These people are doing drugs to escape. Mm-hmm. What what are people doing watching? You know, filling their lives with Stranger Things and Ms. Mm-hmm. Marvel. They're they're definitely escaping in some way. Sure,
2: it's not as bad yeah, as I don't, shooting and up. I'm not, and, I'm not, and I'm not trying <laughs> to take that away from people. Believe me, No, no,
0: Marvel. I, mean, I that's did. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: fine. But the thing is, is that it's it's an escapism of mm-hmm. some sort to not have to deal with the shit of the right. day. Uh, I, you know, there was a, and you may have seen this, but when to to put stranger things on on point here the very first episode of the fourth season had a disclaimer because there was a school shooting that recently Mm -hmm. had happened and in the first episode there is a shooting that happens that involves kids um so you know as much as they wanted to escape something like that you still have to think about it some at, at some point um and i you know this it's not as powerful as what we've been talking about earlier, but I think that it's important to understand that, you know, these real events that are happening in the corner happen every single day. And we don't want to think about those things. We want to jump into other things and we want to watch happy, happy go lucky stuff on the Disney plus channel. So we don't have to do that. That's the same thing as, you know, it's what, At its base, what the people in the corner are trying to do. They're shooting up drugs, so they really don't have to think about the real-life situations. They don't have to
2: think about, you know, the sexual abuse that they suffered. Right. You know, the the inherent abuse of um, impoverishment.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, the, if you're black, the rejection of an entire country based on your skin color. You know, and how... You know, like the mass trauma that that causes, mass generational trauma. So, right. this was fun.
1: Yeah, let's get into plugs and talk <laughs> about all this happy-go-lucky stuff we've been doing with hey, ourselves. Hey, Jesse,
2: <laughs> want to know what we're going to be talking about on the Happiness and Rattledge Podcast? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tell me all about it, Mark Rattledge.
2: Well, Jesse Starcher of the Screaming Boy Podcast. Um, we were actually been supposed on there to talk- a couple times, actually. We were actually supposed to talk um, tonight. Sean Comer and I were supposed to talk uh, Studio 66 Studio Six Six Six, Foo Fighters tena- thing, yeah, yeah, Tenacity and the Pick of Destiny in Detroit Rock City. But Sean thought we were recording Monday and not today, so um, we are going that tomorrow. Uh, I'm going Mad. tubing tomorrow with my with my good friend. Um, I'm gonna go. We're gonna take the kid, her kid, and our my kids. We're going to go tubing tomorrow, and then hopefully I'll be back in enough time and we'll do Tenacious D, Studio 666, starring the Foo Fighters, and Detroit Rock City. And then here, we're going to, and the fun times continue here in the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network. Don't you understand? We are. Uh... I wish you
1: would have, I wish you would have had a theme week of nothing but depressing stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Starting with the well, corner. <laughs> welcome to Nigh Suicidal Week on <laughs> the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network. Perfect. Uh, yeah welcome to life <laughs> of agony week um oh boy <laughs> yeah oh uh could you imagine um, yeah. <laughs> so um so yeah more depressing things we're gonna review where the crawdad's saying which was very very good but it's one of those where it's so much easier to tear apart like mar- stupid marvel and dinosaur films and you know other comic book bullshit and mm. then to actually like talk about like well-made oscar Beatty type movies I. I don't know that's what tough. I'm gonna. I, I saw Weather dad saying it's great. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna say about it. You know, I'll be there with Robert Winfrey though and Jason Teasley, so we'll we can all say nothing or everything together. It'll be fantastic. Um, I guess Daisy D- will have something to say for about five minutes. Um, <laughs> uh, it'll stretch my muscles as a reviewer, so that's why we do them. That's why when he suggested it, I was like, sure. Uh, I'm take, taking a break Wednesday and then Thursday. Uh, we'll talk about the dopey Miss Marvel show um, And then I'm on of dope. a yeah, <laughs> Different kind of dope <laughs> or the, or the <laughs> same kind of joke, but less liquidy um, <laughs> And then I'm on vacation for a week so get this lineup of re-aired crap from the blog talk radio years you Ready, Betsy? Let's hear it. Here, here's some canned spam for you. I love it. We're gonna do uh, we're gonna re-air my review of cooked which is the four part Jason um, Michael Pollan documentary that aired on Netflix a bunch of years back uh based off the book The Omnivore's Dilemma and I had my buddy from work on that show so that'll be fun yeah and then we have long roads to ruins uh we've got the first long road to ruin in two parts we're gonna be looking at the Highlander series so part one is the first two movies part two is the second two movies and that'll be the 24th and the 25th um On Tuesday, uh, in the place of a new Damn You Hollywood, will be an old Damn You Hollywood. But if you hadn't heard it yet, it'll be new to you. Um, (laughs) It'll be when Robert Winfrey and I reviewed Pan from Warner Brothers Studios. Yes, there was a prequel when Peter Pan was just a lad, Jesse Starcher. Fantastic. This this is the one where they're chanting, smells like teen spirit. (laughs)
1: Thank God for listening to you guys review this show. Never watched the movie.
2: It's as bad no as it sounds. I... Um, oh, boy. And then um, we have our four-part Long Road to Ruin on the Harry Potter series. We broke them up 2, So uh and 2. So uh, parts one is, part one is 20, the 27th. Part two is the 28th, 29th, and the 30th. Ends with the Deathly Hallows part one and two, which brings us to the 31st. Now the fifth, the new Predator movie comes out. That's going straight to Hulu so we're kicking off the week with some re-airs of the old predator stuff that i did um we had the long road to ruin for the first two predator movies and then an on trial for the movie predators plural where they dropped the people on the alien planet and then they got attacked by predator dogs uh that'll be on august 1st and then we are back live our first live show since the 21st my vacation will be over the re-airs will be over and we are coming back live with our signature show damn you hollywood It'll be DC League of Super Pets. But more importantly than all that, Jesse, you, me, and Robert Winfrey, the, the three wise men of the Legend oh Broadcasting boy. Network, we're going to be reviews, reviewing in vascular detail season three of The Boys. You have no idea that what you just said is no, actually I'm true. Well, aware. <laughs> I have heard tall tale of oh boy. the vascularness of The Boys season three. That is great. So, yeah, me, you, and Winfrey, 9 o'clock, Sexy Date, The Boy, Season 3. And then on Thursday, speaking of Sexy Dates, we have finally reached the end of Lordiversity. We are finally ready to graduate.
1: Ooh, wow.
2: Ooh, it's been a long, man, oh, long man. road ahead. But uh, Master Beast from Beyond, or whatever it's called, That's the man. last of the Lordiversity albums. We'll review it for you in vascular detail. Hmm. Um, I hear you review comic books.
1: Uh, as a matter of fact... Yeah. Uh, do a comic book podcast called Source Material. You can find that on the Source Material Comics feed. You should be able to find that right here on the W2M network. Recently, uh, we had our airing of Unspoken Issues, which is a 90s-centric comic book podcast. We're usually covering just about anything that's happening in on the 90s there in Unspoken Issues. Last Wednesday was Star Trek The Next Generation Crossing Over, with the x-men that's right you have it was called second contact took place one minute after the movie first contact that's right ends up that the tng crew goes sideways into an alternate reality sure enough it's the marvel 616 good stuff good stuff happening in there and this upcoming wednesday we've got fugitoid that's right. Solo podcast on Fugitoid. You're like, who in the world is Fugitoid? Well, he's somebody that piles around with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then shortly after that, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. That will be me and Alexis Haina and Benjamin J. Colon getting together to discuss what happens in that five-issue series. So if you like comic books, come on over, check it out. Also, shout out to the Kapow, the pop culture podcast. Our second episode of Kids on Bikes happened. And man, is things getting crazy over there in that role-playing game land, it is insane. we got another couple episodes happening on that, and we should be done with the whole campaign. But uh, if you like role-playing games, you like Kids on Bikes, you like Stranger Things, well, check it out. We're having a good time over there. That... Is all I got to say about that, Mark Radlich.
2: Well, we've had a fun and exciting show here talking about a very, uh, a, a very light and frothy television show, easy, easily digestible. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Six episodes and I've never
1: wanted to cry so hard in my life <laughs> watching it. That's I, uh,
2: I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if you're like, well, I'm not quite suicidal just yet. Maybe mm. Mark and Jesse can push me over the edge. Come back oh, August eighteenth, <laughs> and we'll talk the Wire season one. Yeah, and uh, then we'll do season two September twelfth, season three October thirteenth, season four November seventeenth, and then just in time for Christmas and New Year's, it's the Wire series finale. Oh wow! Yeah, your get your Christmas goose early with Jesse and Mark. Woo! Uh, do one of these. <laughs> 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 how uh, we great both did that. that's great right there <laughs> uh, that's funny i don't care who you are all right well folks this has been a uh, a happy-go-lucky light and in in enjoyable discussion of a really great award-winning series that everyone should watch with their families and have a discussion about this is the kind of show that brings families together um and gets you to uh Get you talking. It's feeling
1: struggling like it's uh, yeah. Well, it definitely gets you feeling. That's for sure. Man, does Bro. it ever!
2: All right. Glad we did this, Jesse. Despite uh, this, despite me having to hold back a well of tears <laughs> and failing somewhat. <laughs> you did all right, man. You did I, fine. I uh, I am glad we spent an hour and a half talking about this show. It it uh, it deserves more time, but I don't want to be here for six hours. So. For Jesse Starcher, I'm Mark Rattles, That's David Simon who brought you uh, the sadness. Be well, be safe, and behave.